My name is Caitlin Malinowski, and I am your host of the IAUG Insider Podcast, the home of exclusive interviews with Avaya and IAUG industry leaders on the latest telecommunications news, trends, and best practices. Welcome back to the IAUG Insider Podcast. Today, we will be meeting with Avaya's David Petromella and Mike Seely. In this episode, which is part one in a two-part series, we will discuss the impacts that COVID-19 has had on the industry, and next week, we will share some background and information on contact tracing and the impacts that Avaya has had on the practice. Hello, David and Mike. Thank you both so much for joining us today. So why don't we go ahead and get started with you both introducing yourselves. David, why don't you go ahead and start? Sure, this is Dave Petromala. I'm with the Avaya Cloud team. I represent or I manage a team of specialists globally that work on our Avaya Public Cloud, One Cloud, specifically around our CPaaS platform, which builds agile um, cloud services specifically for business use cases, solving business problems. And I have a team, a global team that supports both our partners and our end user community for developing agile solutions to business problems. And I'm Mike Seeley. I'm with the Advanced Solutions Team reporting to David, and I have responsibility for North American sales for our advanced applications. Great. Thank you guys so much. And I'm so excited to have you here on the podcast today. Thank you again so much for joining us. So, David, I'm going to go ahead and start with a few questions pitched in your direction. So, one of the topics that we're going to be focusing on in today's podcast is COVID-19 and kind of how it's had a broad impact overall on a lot of the industries that we work closely with, and then kind of a little bit more honed in on the contact tracing that we will focus on in the second half of this episode. So, David, as we all know, the impact of COVID-19 has been significant across many industries. What are some of the biggest impacts you've seen across the primary industries you've been working with? Oh, that's a great question. So, Obviously, uh, COVID-19 has impacted everybody, both personally and from a business perspective. Uh, we, my group in particular, saw this firsthand. We saw it impact uh, industry by industry and the sort of reaction industry by industry, how they would deal with such a crisis. When you think about COVID-19, it's sort of this disruptive crisis that has an... Oh, David, hold on. Yeah, hold on. I think that's my problem. Somebody called me and it linked to my computer. Sorry, let me just turn. Okay, back. I was gonna say that was coming through. Hold on a sec. There we go. That should be disabled. Real quick. Where would you okay. like to pick off? Pick up from? Um, how about you just start from the beginning, if that's okay? okay. Sure. So you can tell me when to start. Do you need me to re-ask the question? Uh, no, you don't need to ask. Just tell me when to start. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so that's a great question. Uh, COVID-19 had a major impact on people personally and their business lives. We, I personally, my team, got great exposure to how the crisis impacted industry by industry and the impact it had on each one of those businesses in terms of it was this major impact that required an immediate reaction um, to a massive influx of unknowns. So if you think about COVID-19, we really knew nothing about what the disease was, what it, you know, what the impact would be on health and on people. And what we saw was immediately the health industry was impacted, meaning people were inundating health agencies on what's going on, what do I do, what are the symptoms? And, and, and what you saw was 
these health agencies were crippled. They couldn't respond quick enough and they couldn't get the information out quick enough to sort of calm down the, the masses of the population. So, you know, we saw it instantly. People were looking at like, a, a traditional project to, to address this might take months and years to put into place to handle the amount of volume that was hitting these health agencies. Uh, so the reality was, how could they address this, not just, not in months, but in days and in hours to get information readily available, right? For people to access and not only consume, but be able to engage and start responding to. So we saw these health agencies, you know, they, they were typically, when you looked at an infectious disease, you know, the, 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 the rate of spread was not like this, like the rate of spread, like specifically when you look at things like uh, an STD or infectious disease, you know, you, you'd have to have, you know, touch or some type of component to spread. Here you had air and, and, and people didn't know how it was spreading. So you had massive panic. You had hospitals that could not facilitate the inquiries. Um, you, you had health agencies trying to figure out the information, compiling information and making it accessible. So you saw that really impact right away in month one. Then in month two, as, as we saw shutdowns and businesses being halted, now you had government agencies having to deal with this issue. Now their organizations were being inundated with calls about unemployment, about uh, funding plans, whether it was a business inquiring or a personal person uh, inquiring. These government agencies, specifically the labor boards, were inundated. And again, they had the same issue. They had to be able to respond, provide information, provide content, have an action plan up and running, not within weeks and months, but within days and hours. And the, you know, in what was sort of consistent was the spike of volume was never anticipated. So, you know, February and the beginning of March, no one was prepared, right? They had no idea this was coming. They may have knew about this coming, but they just didn't know the impact of how the volume or the amount of volume they had to deal with would impact their businesses. So we saw health organizations, government agencies just being inundated and not being properly invested or funded to support how to react to the situation. And then this bled out into, you know, businesses. We saw retail, right? So I give this analogy, you know, many organizations, what, what it did for retail was a bit different. What it did for retail was it drove the, not nice to have, but it drove, had to have requirement of digital transformation. Meaning if you look at some businesses like a McDonald's or a, a, an Amazon or even a Walmart, even before the pandem pandemic, they had already had programs in play to deal with online shopping, curbside pickup. But the 98% of the other businesses, it was a nice to have. They just weren't ready. And now the only way to be open was to focus on online business or curbside services. So now all of a sudden, retail and businesses had to deal with this new reality and they had to turn around and deliver a result on this reality, not in weeks and months, but in days and weeks. So what the crisis did was it forced people to go and look at the problem and have to deal with it in a short time period. And that created an undue amount of stress on businesses because as you know, and this is where, you know, when you think about technology, there's no way in any one of the scenarios, health agencies, government, or even retail organizations, when they were dealing with this, they just didn't have time to go out and buy equipment, invest in infrastructure, 
train resources and deploy. They had to get this turned around within days and with hours or within weeks. So cloud and technology became imperative. Digital transformation tools became a requirement because it was the only way to service the people that were inquiring or the people that they were dealing with. Digital tools were required because you just didn't have enough bodies to do live interactions. So, you know, I, I give the example of the health agencies. Immediately, they needed to create hotlines where people could call in and get basic information without talking to a live body. Because if every call went to a live body, those live bodies couldn't service critical situations, right? So this became something that, um, again, crisis creates new realities, and those new realities delivered new solutions. You couldn't do the traditional model. You couldn't look at traditional solutions to solve the uh, existing problem. So you saw, we saw this month by month from health organizations to government organizations to businesses. And now we're seeing this now opening up to education. So the original solution to education was shut it down. Now we know that you know shutting it down is not a long-term solution or even a short-term solution because shutting down schools has other impacts social impacts, uh, uh, mental health impacts on the kids, right? So opening up became critical. A lot of health professionals were saying that opening up became more important than shutting down and containing, right? And when the schools started to open up, they had the same issue. How do I deal with opening up safely and providing, you can imagine for the last two weeks, the amount of inquiries that the education organizations, the schools, the school districts had to deal with from facilitators, teachers, unions, and parents, right? So they were not set up to deal with this. I, I give you my own experience. You know, the, the school boards here in Canada, they went and invested in technology to give us information constantly on a daily basis. Every day there was a blast out via email and SMS about, you know, instructions, modeling, what would happen. Well, guess what? The data had a mistake and, and, and parents were getting the wrong information. The problem was the tools gave no no uh, way of responding or talking to someone to solve the problem. So it created even more problems. So you can see what happened here is that, you know, COVID-19 has created a new reality where you, you know, the old solutions just won't meet the needs because the solutions need to address current problems, current situations. Think about the health organizations. You know, what they knew about the disease in March is vastly different from what they know about now today. The information they need to collect, the symptoms that might uh, uh, contribute to the disease or, or uh, let you know that you might have it are completely different. What might be infectious and non-infectious situations, that the information we had in March and April are vastly different from the information that we have now based on the data collected in January, as in July, and June, and August. So it's not just about solving problems that the crisis created, but making sure that the solutions are agile and fluid enough because the solutions will keep changing. The information we provide and collect will change the way we respond. So we're seeing that all over the place, right? And the other big thing is it, technology doesn't solve it. Technology helps solve the process that's proven in the healthcare industry, right? So I think we have a process, like contact tracing is an example, and we'll cover that, but contact tracing is a process that's proven, but it fails because it can't keep up with the spike of demand that's required because of this uh, sort of virus. And technology, just slapping technology on it won't solve the problem because you still need that human interaction of being able to deal with some of the sensitive issues around data collection and even 
the people that you're reaching out to, language issues, cultural issues. So it's not about technology replacing uh, the old process. It's about technology complementing, complementing the old process to help facilitate the issue, which is massive volumes or massive volumes that people need to deal with. And, and we saw this, right? We have a major contact center crisis where every contact center related to those industries that are covered be, uh, that I talked about are overwhelmed. They can't deal with the volumes. And by not dealing with the volumes, you're creating even more chaos for the people trying to call in. And uh, again, we've seen it bleed across many, many different industries from government to healthcare, banking and finance. You think about businesses, they can't pay their more. So personally, people can't pay mortgages. Businesses can't pay back loans. They're looking for relief, right? So banking and finance organizations, they were hammered. I don't know if you ever, you know, in June and so I'll call April and May, if you've ever called a bank, the, the call went unanswered or you got busy tone, unheard of, right? So banking and finance, retail, every one of these segments were inundated with call spikes and they had to deal or had to come up in a very short time frame a solution to address it. And this is what we saw across the industry. And this is where Avaya got involved is we weren't about providing a solution to solve everything. We we're providing a solution to help automate common tasks to alleviate the stress so that the live call center agents could deal with it properly when there was a critical issue. So all the other, th anything that could be automated, we wanted to provide a service to do that. And we knew the only way to do that was through cloud because people weren't buying equipment. Even if they could afford to buy equipment, they couldn't turn it around quick enough. It had to be an over-the-top service that people could consume and enable immediately to address the chaos that was happening. This podcast is sponsored by Unimax. Unimax provides a UC management software suite that integrates with Avaya. It includes tools for provisioning, employee self-service moves, ads, changes, and delete, or MACDs, help desk agent MACDs automation, i.e. automated provisioning slash deprovisioning, phone number and DIP management, system migrations, unified MACD administration, and much more. Their products are vendor agnostic and compatible with single and multi-vendor systems from not only Avaya, but also Cisco, Microsoft, OpenText, formerly AVSP and Xmedia, Poly, ServiceNow, and other ITSM platforms, Genesis, and others. To learn more, visit Unimax online at www.unimax.com. Absolutely. Um, I know we all probably saw a lot of different pivots coming through in the time since March when I think everything kind of took that big deep dive that we didn't see coming. So what are, I know you had touched on this briefly, but what are some of the ways more specifically that CCAS and CPAC have been pivoted or improved to increase handling those volumes in the call centers that you mentioned previously? I know you have a lot of um, healthcare industry people that were struggling with having high influxes of calls. Is there things you had to change on their side of the of the spectrum to make it more successful for them to use? Or are there different ways that you had to alter some of the products people were using to make it able for them to respond appropriately? Yeah, I think so. The biggest change is where people just didn't have the time or resources to deploy product, right? And when you look at these call centers, these call centers were agile. So um, they were they couldn't hire quick enough and train quick enough to have live agents service the call. So what we started doing was how could we provide automation so people could call in and actually receive do self-service of the information. Um, and we saw two uh, one of two things. One, 
diverting people when they call in to, let's say, a visual um, uh, self-service experience, whether that was pointing them to a website where the content was readily available or directing them if, we, if they were on a mobile phone to an SMS engagement where they could visually interact with maybe a virtual agent or a live agent, that created massive relief. Um, as well as, you know, again, think about every industry. They needed, the, the call volumes went up 100 times, okay? Um, they don't want to go hire 100 times more agents that may go away. With, at the time, in March, April, they didn't know whether this was going to last one week, two weeks, uh, six months, one year. So they needed to look at something that provided them the flexibility to have sort of scalable requirements that could scale up and scale down based on demand. So again, you have your first wave, you may have your second wave, but I don't need all that overhead during the sort of downtime. So cloud and the way we delivered our CCAS solution was imperative, right? Because we could light up new agents on the fly. Those agents could access the service from anywhere because most people were working from home. And then we could automate a huge proportion of the calls to self-service. So that, and, and, and in both cases, because both the call center CCAS solution and the automation was delivered through our cloud, it could be lit up and consumed on a pay-as-you-go model. So it made economic sense, it made crisis sense, and it was easy to use and consume by the, by the agencies or by the organizations themselves. Now, another big thing was automating, well, when you look at, um, the whole crisis itself, you got to go back to the starting point, right? The biggest issue is control and containment. Well, that starts with test results. So what we were able to do was provide our, you know, our customers, specifically health agencies, the ability to automate and turn around test results within days, not within weeks. So what, what we saw at the beginning was test results were taking five days or more to get out to people. Well, within five days, if someone was positive, how many people could they have infected, right? So it became imperative and it's still imperative. It's almost the most critical piece is providing them technology where they can provide those test results instantly. So we're, we provide the, you know, again, if they had to go and add trunks and, you know, reconfigure their, the health agency's infrastructure, that could take months. What we did was we provided a cloud service that they could instantly integrate to the health database. So as the test results became known, immediately we did outbound campaigns and not only provided them the test results, but provided the people information what to do next. And again, that alleviated calls coming into the call center because they got test results and the most critical thing, the next step, what they should do, isolation, quarantine, or contact a live uh, contact tracer. So that became a real critical piece that didn't require any changes or additions to a call center. It just provided new automation tools, to, which I think has the biggest impact on controlling and containing the virus because you're providing people who are positive immediate no, uh, information and you can contain the spread. Again, if it sits another 24 hours or 48 hours, that becomes a critical issue. And we're seeing this, you know, all the reports John Hopkins is saying is in the US, you know, it's we're not it's failing contact traces it's failing because the the amount of time it's taking to report uh, a test result is taking too long we're not we're not doing enough tests and we're not providing test results quick enough so what we're you know avaya was able to do is at least for those organizations that looked at it automate that and provide some real quick turnaround and that test result has an impact on opening businesses 
opening schools, right? It impacts every level. But if you do that properly and efficiently at the beginning, it'll have a positive impact on everything else that we do. But again, like I said, pure cloud service over the top, organizations were able to turn this up at a, at a and again, if you look at government, healthcare, uh, even banking, retail, they didn't put a budget aside for this. So there wasn't like there was funding and then funding and the government started going out, but you had to apply for funding. So if we can make this accessible and economic, like reasonably by through a consumption model like cloud, it would allow people to not have to wait on funding to actually start inundating or start initiating some of these, I'll call critical tools to solve the issues that they were dealing with. Absolutely. And it sounds like a lot of that was really successful in terms of you know, improving that call wait time and getting that information out there at a reasonable rate. So you had well, mentioned me a little bit of... Oh, let sorry. me add something there that uh, I, I missed. The other big thing is digital digital channels. So um, what was also happening is when health care organizations were physically calling people out or they did auto dialing, people just didn't trust a phone call. Caller ID, mistrust. And what we saw some of the examples of some of our customers uh, callbacks to a test result or to a contact tracer was less than 20%. I mean, there's like stats on this for a national average. It's just dismal. But what we saw from enabling automated tests and doing things like SMS or um, uh, email notification, the response rate was 70%. That's a massive increase and a huge impact. Getting 70% response rate versus a 10, 20% response rate that requires you to continually try to call and inform the infected person. Thanks again for joining us for this week's episode of the IAUG Insider Podcast. Be sure to join us again next week for the rest of David and Mike's episode.